Discover the ins and outs of the oil and gas industry right now with Roy Holly and Kim Bolato in the Oil Patch, brought to you by Shale Magazine and Steer. Welcome to our show. It's called In the Oil Patch. I'm Roy Holly and Kim Bolato, who's the CEO and publisher of Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine, is with me tonight. Kim, good to see you. Good evening. Tell us briefly about Steer. Steer basically is the advocating arm for the oil and gas industry to help better relations and communication out in the public and uh, help media get information that they need. It's a wonderful organization, great access to information for the industry. Tell us about Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine. I know that's something that's real close to your heart. Oh, yeah. It's definitely been picking up steam. We've been extremely busy this past month. Many, many wonderful things are happening. We have a brand new issue out, which in which our cover and our feature was the Wood Group, a huge international powerhouse. And that's out online that, you know, listeners can go to. And we also are enjoying a couple of new partnerships with some major endorsements, uh, such as Steer endorsing Shell Magazine. The Corpus Christi Ice Rays is amazing. I know, uh, that's a great thing. It is because they really support children, or not children, kids, um, trying to earn scholarships by playing hockey. They've actually had a couple of great stories that somebody has gone on to be a professional athlete out of that, and all the money that is raised goes back to nonprofits. So it's a wonderful organization, wonderful mission that they're doing, and we're just proud to be a part of them. We basically held a mixer in Corpus a couple of weeks back, and um, we had a great time. There were a lot of people. I've never been asked to throw out the uh, the ceremonial Mm -hmm. hockey puck, and so we were out on the ice, Shell Magazine, and uh, so was Steer. It was a wonderful experience. There were a lot of people that attended. We got to meet a lot of Omar new people. Omar was there. Yes, Omar was there. We had a you great time. You out the ice. <laughs> yes, throwing out pucks. So um, that will be coming out in the magazine here, the next issue, and the photo op that we had. Plus, um, we're you know so grateful that um, the players will be going around and delivering to their businesses in Corpus Christi our latest issue, as well as we have our logo on their traveling bus throughout the state of Texas when they play games. So You know, we're looking forward to going down and doing a show down in Corpus Christi. We have a lot of listeners in the Corpus area on our station. And a lot of fans. I mean, the mayor of Corpus Christi, Nelda, has just been a real big advocate and fan for Shell Magazine. And when we've done our cover party, John LaRue, who is the executive director of the Port of Corpus Christi, we have an amazing relationship with them as well. Now, if people are listening right now and they want to get a copy of uh, Shell Oil and Gas Business Magazine, give them information on how they can pick up a copy and get their own copy. Well, hard copy is really a lot easier to find. We are in uh, markets in Corpus Christi. We also are in the Eagle Ford Shell. We're in San Antonio and Houston and then the Permian Basin. Most likely places are one of our partners. We're in uh, some HEB stores. But if anyone is having a problem finding them, all they have to do is just contact us at shellmag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. And we'll be happy to get them a hard copy. And is there anything else special coming up in the magazine you want to mention before we get off of that? Well, you know, we are getting ready for another cover party, which will be April the 9th, and it's featuring the Wood Group. So outside of having, you know, our cover party and then bringing a brand new sponsorship to our In the Oil Patch radio show, we're so proud to have the Caleb Auto Group. Alvin Bailey. Alvin Bailey, and he's gonna, they're going to just really bring us to another level, and we're really excited to have them on as a partner. You are listening to In the Oil Patch.
Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. You know, I could spend the next 60 seconds telling you how Blue Bonnet Ford sells more Super Duty trucks than any other dealer in South Texas. I could also tell you that Blue Bonnet Ford sells more fleet vehicles than any other Ford dealer in South Texas. I could even tell you about the 13 President's Awards that Blue Bonnet Ford has received, but I'd rather tell you why. Look, it's no secret the oil patch will punish your work trucks day in and day out, and even your built Ford Tough trucks, well, they need to be serviced too. So, do you let them sit for weeks at your local dealership, or do you call Teresa? You see, Blue Bonnet Ford has Teresa. When you call Teresa, her team will pick up your Ford truck for service and provide you with a 24-hour diagnosis. Most authorized repairs are done and your truck is delivered back to the oil patch in just a few days. That's the Blue Bonnet difference. So don't let downtime cost you thousands. Call Teresa today and keep your fleet working. Here's the number, 210-643-4391. Again, write it down, 210-643-4391. Or check us on the web at bbmotors.com. Blue Bonnet Ford a proud member of the Caleg Auto Group. Listen, let's talk about our guest that's coming up today, Paula Wagner Aguilar from the Energy CFO. Paula and I met when I first started with Shell Magazine. I was so impressed by her because at the same moment that she's launching her own company, which we'll get into what it is, she also was creating a nonprofit Women of Energy Network. And I got the huge opportunity to work closely with her, understand she's a dynamic woman, and she really built the Women of Energy Network for all of she's us. She's a go-getter. She is and, definitely and we a go-getter. We're, trying, we're explaining that to you, but when you hear Paula here in just a little bit, you're going to understand what we're talking about. She's really something. We featured her in Shell Magazine, too, the last issue of the dedication to women. And I just, as a woman, could not be prouder. She really signifies all that a woman can and should be and breaks down barriers that is, you know, it's plagued the industry with women. And she's the example of an amazing person. So if people are listening and they want to become a sponsor of Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine or a sponsor of our show, how do they get in touch with you? Kim, K-Y-M, at shellmag.com. Again, that's Kim, K-Y-M, at shellmag.com. They can email us on the website. Or more importantly, we are also starting a new series that will be asking questions of in the uh, right. Ask the Expert, and that has its own email address that's called expert at shellmag.com. And by the way, we're still doing our giveaway at the Palm Restaurant, $125 gift certificate, and all you have to do is be the 10th caller right now at 210-240-7188, and we're going to give you a $125 gift certificate at a real fancy restaurant uh, right across from the Majestic Theater in downtown San Antonio. That's right. We look forward to having our callers call in. All right. The phone number again is 210-240-7188. Well, our guest today is Paula Wagner Aguilar, and she is with the Energy CFO. It's her own company. So you are listening to In the Oil Patch. Hi, Alvin Bailey for the good folks at North Park Toyota. Here's some trivia for you. Can you name the only full-size pickup truck that's built in Texas? Well, if you said the Toyota Tundra, you'd be right. Toyota Tundra pulled the space shuttle, so yeah, it can handle your trailer and your boat. The Tundra is available in 18 different configurations of six trim levels that can all tow more than five tons. And North Park Toyota is your Tundra headquarters. The number one Tundra dealer in Central and South Texas, and for good reason, the best price, the largest selection, and the best customer service. Come see why North Park Toyota is a four-time winner of the Toyota President's Award for Outstanding Customer Satisfaction. Take I-35 South to the Fisher Road exit and follow the signs. 
Call 210-635-5000 or log on to NPToyota.com. North Park Toyota is a proud member of the Kalig Auto Group. Let's get started, Paula. Welcome to the show. Good to have you here. Thanks, Roy. I'm glad to be here. Now, we had a chance to visit the other day, and uh, uh, one of the things that I enjoy about my job is I get to meet a lot of different people with a lot of backgrounds, but every once in a while I get surprised. And I don't know why, <laughs> but when I started talking to you, I just wasn't surprised. I was surprised to hear that you had such a varied background. Share a little bit where you grew up and how did you go from where you're at to where you're at now. It's quite a it's quite a story. Well, I grew up in Dallas, and in the summers I used to, my mom used to ship me up to the Panhandle where my grandfather was a rancher. So that was my upbringing, my early upbringing. I spent a lot of time with him. I was the oldest grandchild, so uh, I was kind of raised like a tomboy. When I graduated, I went to school at the University of Texas at Arlington and got my undergraduate in accounting, and then I got my master's in science and taxation. Nobody knows what that is. Uh, from the University of North Texas. When I graduated, what I wanted to do was work in Latin America on the tales of the North American Free Trade Agreement. So this was back in the 90s when oil was still below $20 a barrel. And uh, so the summer in between graduating and starting my first job at Ernst & Young, I went and studied in a special bilingual program for Spanish-speaking professionals at the University of Morelos, which is outside of Mexico City. Then went and spent a year working in Ernst & Young as a tax accountant. And after tax season, I uh, turned in my resignation and started banging on doors because I, it was at that point I was like, I'm going to work in Latin America. So two oil companies found me, uh, or energy companies. One of them was Halliburton, and they uh, Halliburton was like, if you're crazy enough to uh, work in Latin America, this was back in the 90s, uh, we're happy to hire you as an internal auditor. So I started my career in the 90s in Latin America, working my way up the accounting ranks for Halliburton and then for other companies such as uh, Enron International, Duke Energy Latin America, and then later for Gaste France Suez. What was it like when you were starting out in Latin America being a woman? Uh, don't they kind of like have a macho atmosphere? Yeah, <laughs> that was actually one of the challenges in getting a job in Latin America. I really, I, I got about 100 rejections face-to-face, you name it. It was always the same concern. It, I believe it was, you know, a perception about really what an appropriate job was for a young woman of my demographics. Unfortunately, it didn't really take into account my skills and my education, my upbringing, and my career aspirations. So my grandfather used to tell me when I was a young girl, honey, don't follow the herd. And I really kind of followed that strategy going into Latin America. So when I was in Latin America, I was actually one of the few U.S. trained CPAs on the ground in the oil patch. And it actually, over time, benefited me because um, I got the opportunity to do things in some cases people 20 years my senior in finance had never done because I was there. I could speak the language and I could also figure out, you know, how, how do we manage through a business, you know, in the middle of a devaluation or, you know, clean up companies, you name it. So um, I was one of, I was one of the only women working out there at the time. So uh, is any stories that you that you remember from uh, working over there that was different or unique? Because I know you worked in Australia as well. Yes, yes. Um, over the years, I have worked in uh, Latin America and Australia, and also uh, in Europe. I've worked uh, like Norway, up in Scotland, places like that. Uh, the most memorable situation I think I found myself in was uh, I was driving to work when I lived in uh, Cuiabá, Brazil, 
And uh, the plant that I worked at was actually about 30 miles outside of town. It was a lone road along the border with Bolivia and Paraguay. And in the middle of my drive, the stick shift that I was driving came undone from the bottom of the, the car. So I literally had the stick shift in my hand, and I was like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? You know? You're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, in the middle of nowhere. So and when you say out in the middle of nowhere over there, <laughs> it really you was. really mean out I'm in the middle joking, of nowhere. Yeah. There's so. nothing. Um, yeah, so fortunately, um, I figured out real quickly how to connect the thing again and avoided having a wreck. There wasn't a lot of uh, traffic out there. so. Well, tell us about your experience in Australia. We were talking about that okay, earlier. Well, about the first time you saw a kangaroo. Yeah, um, well, uh, they were really cool. Um, I thought they were really cute animals. What I didn't realize is that they can also be very dangerous. They're very big animals. And so um, I actually went over there my first time when I was working for BHP Billiton Petroleum, and um, they actually served me kangaroo for dinner one night so it's kind of tough kind of gamey not something you would really want to eat uh normally but uh and i got to go to places i got to go to melbourne and also uh victoria which is where all they have all the wineries and then of course uh working a lot in perth where most of the lng facilities are and the lng personnel are located in North. so you've had quite a life yes yes travel around met my husband too why i was working internationally as well so and it's, uh, do you miss that area? Do you miss going back over there? Uh, yes, I do miss the travel sometime, but at the same time, there's I don't miss you know getting on the planes. I hate the security now, and uh, I do enjoy uh, being home. And uh, it is difficult to maintain a relationship, obviously, when you're working all over the place. Because my husband was also on that expat circuit, working around as well. <laughs> the Energy CFO. Now that's your company now. Yes. Uh, what is this company and how do you help people and, and how did all the, it sounds like all these things that you've done before has prepared you for this moment in time. Yes. So I'm a chief financial officer. I now have 20 years in the energy industry. I spent 15 years working for the Global 100 in accounting, finance, commercial, risk management, gas marketing, production planning, and investor relation roles. So a very senior roles. Five years ago, I decided to uh, change the direction of my career, get back to my entrepreneurial roots, and start working with middle market companies. So I was uh, brought out to South Texas about three years ago to work for an independent exploration production company, clean up their business. And a year later, I said, hey, you know what? South Texas is this great place where there's tons of family businesses and private energy and technology companies. This is the place that I need to start the energy CFO and provide outsourced CFOs to private energy companies, CFOs that have worked in the industry, that are entrepreneurial and are really focused on helping build strong private companies. So that's what we do today. We work with middle market companies, and the way it works is normally we'll go into a company. Usually they might be hiring someone or it might be a startup. What we find is a middle market company, which starts at about $10 million in revenue and it goes up to about 150 typically do not need a full-time chief financial officer. They would be better spent pocketbook to focus on having good accounting, good internal controls, uh, and making sure that they have uh, good supporting tax services, and then bringing in someone to help them more strategically. So the types of services that we provide, most companies will go in and see them maybe two or three days a month. If they come in in crisis or hemorrhaging cash, we may be out there two days a week for a couple months, and then we back off from there. We focus on cash flow and profitability improvement. So that could be, uh, you know, an example, saving your working capital, maybe 
maybe 20%. We've done that with one company. And one day I was able to improve his working capital by about a million dollars. Uh, so I paid for myself many times over that day. We also help with forecasting. Uh, we'll go sit, if you're in the middle of banking, if financing negotiations, we sit with the owner and help represent their interests, help with change or crisis leadership, restructurings, turnarounds, also CFO coaching, and then also serve on business advisory, helping their business. So people uh, can get their money back very easily Absolutely. when they hire you. And the way you, the way they do that is, well, normally <laughs> yeah. when they hire you, because you show them how to make some changes and adjustments, and so it becomes profitable because you give them a new way to look at things. Yes. I look at it, now that I'm a business owner myself, mm-hmm. um, I approach everything that way. And it's like, how if it were my own business, what would I do to make it more profitable? And so we approach it that way. One of our expertises is really in cost of goods sold or cost of goods uh, sales. And that's a pretty critical area right now as far as, you know, how do we reduce labor costs, reduce our uh, manufacturing cost, or if you're out drilling, you know, looking at lease operating expenses or other areas like that. So. Let me ask you something else. Would you share your viewpoint on oil prices and how we got to the current downturn? How how do you think we got there? Well, how do we get here? I believe that the story begins about two decades ago with the emergence of disruptive technologies, that being the hydraulic fracturing and the horizontal drilling, and also innovative applications and techniques that were developed in the Barnett shell, that being the slick water fracks. And then uh, in the Bakken, that was uh, longer lateral horizontal drilling and multi-stage fracking and also flex pad drilling. So what happened is that this technology and this innovation gave rise to the shale revolution, which, of course, everybody's heard about. And the shale revolution became this bright spot, helping pull the U.S. economy from the 2000s recession, turn it around and begin to strengthen it five to six years post-recession. Today, what we have is a situation of weak crude demand. China and Europe's economies post-recession are not growing. There's no new significant sources of demand identified yet. So not unexpectedly, with all this happening, the U.S. currency, because the U.S. economy is stronger, the currency is strengthening. And when the U.S. currency strengthens relative to other currencies, what we see is a drop in price in crude, because crude is priced in dollars all over the world, And as the dollar gets stronger, it costs more to purchase crude. In addition to that, we have, of course, the crude supply situation. Uh, It has surged in the U.S. I believe back in 2011, we were looking at 5.4 million barrels per day. And by 2014, it had grown 3 million barrels a day to 8.5. So right now, we say in the U.S. that there is an excess of supply of anywhere from 1 to 1.5 million barrels of oil a day. And that's why you're seeing a lot of the stories about land and crude storage facilities filling up. Oversupply adds to what is already a complicated petropolitics, speaking of OPEC there, and a geopolitical situation that would be like Venezuela and Nigeria are broke. Russia is uh, feeling the burden of the sanctions that we put in last year and the prices have dropped. And then the big question mark out there is Syria and Iran. So OPEC, we're in the middle of a market share turf war with them. Uh, they blame the U.S. shale producers for oversupply. And OPEC, or it's really Saudi Arabia, refuses to, uh, both of them refuse to cut production. We point out Saudi Arabia because they've always been the swing producer uh, in the Middle East. Add to that, you have the U.S. government's export ban that's been in place since the 1973 embargo, which effectively limits our producers' options with regards to what do they do with their supply and parks the supply gut in the U.S., So no surprise, we've seen WTI drop from $106 a barrel in June of 2014 to like $44 in January. And I believe uh, yesterday it closed at $45.50. So to sum up, this energy industry is historically full of peaks and valleys. 
It's a very lumpy business. Those of us who've been in it in a while recognize that it's very volatile, but it's an amalgamation of several things coming into play right now. So it's not just one thing. Right. If you're just now joining us, you are listening to In the Oil Patch, a program presented by Steer. And we want to remind you that the Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is on the shelves now. You can find it. If you don't know where to pick up a copy, go to shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag.com, shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag.com, and uh, they will give you directions on how to pick up a copy of the magazine. It's distributed statewide, and uh, I think you'll enjoy it. And uh, we also want to remind you again now, if you want to uh, be one of the uh, the winner of this uh, $125 gift certificate to the Palm Restaurant, which is a really nice restaurant in San Antonio. It's a steakhouse, lobster house, right across from the Majestic Theater in downtown San Antonio. Uh, you can call 210-240-7188. 210-240-7188 and just simply be the 10th caller and you'll win a $125 gift certificate at the Palm Restaurant. And we're speaking with Paula Wagner Aguilar. She's the owner of the Energy CFO. Paula, let's talk a little more. You've worked uh, for some of the largest public and private energy companies around the globe. Can you give us some insight into what their playbook looks like right now during the downturn? Sure, Roy. For EMP producers right now, you're reading probably a lot of stories where they're conserving their cash. That's their playbook, maintaining a strong balance sheet. So you're seeing a lot of cancellations and delays in projects. You're seeing them cut back on their 2015 and their 2016 investments in CapEx. And also what you may or may not see too much of is they're also delaying activities associated with production. So uh, they're, they don't want to accelerate production right now in a low-price environment, so They're delaying things like completions, pipeline hookups, and uh, other processes that prepare the well to flow. The other thing they're doing right now is really focusing on drilling the best rocks, those being those that have good permeability and also the plays with the lowest uh, decline rates. And, of course, reducing costs, which is the thing that's hitting the headlines everywhere right now. They're looking at reducing costs both on the CapEx side, so cost of the wells. They have an inflated cost base, and we're hearing stories in the Eagleford that Some of the producers have gone back to oil field service companies asking them to reduce the drilling completion and production costs from anywhere from 10 to uh, 30%. Likewise, uh, around tubing and casing, I've heard stories of anywhere from 5 to 7% and also tank costs. In addition to that, they're looking at how can they further rationalize their budgets, boost operational efficiency, focus, they're focusing on their supply chain and minimizing their uh, inventory through just-in-time, and then also looking for ways to improve well productivity. The interesting thing is there are bright spots in the upstream side and oil field services side right now uh, where there are some startup companies that I've heard of that are doing pretty well. Uh, one of them is like uh, drillinginfo.com, and, and there's another sand containment system that's based here in San Antonio where they're helping improve well productivity and, of course, benefiting from that. The deal is that the companies, the EMP companies, they want to have enough cash on hand and get in a position so that they can seek opportunity and crisis. That being, they want to add drilling acreage or planning to, and you know, as oil prices are down and they're expecting uh, several properties to come on the market, they'll either be doing farm outs, they'll be doing leasehold agreements or a drilled urn and also uh, looking for smaller tactical acquisitions, kind of bolt-on acreage, if you will, type of opportunities, and getting the company overall ready to scale back up when hopefully 
there's a lot of debate when it will ramp back up, but I think the general consensus is, is going to be about 15 months, 15 to 18 months time. You co-founded the Women's Energy Network South Texas uh, the same month you started your business. Tell us about that organization. Well, the Women's Energy Network is an organization with 3,000 women professionals. They either work in energy companies or they work for uh, service firms that provide services. 3,000? Yes, 3,000 across the United States. There's seven chapters. And uh, we started... And this is all something you started? Uh, no, I started a chapter within. Oh, here. So okay. this, the South Texas chapter, I helped co-found along with the 2013 board. And uh, that was about two years ago, not quite two years ago. We got the chapter and then launched it. It's been the most grassroots uh, movement I've ever been a part of. It literally grew one woman at a time. Two years later, we are now 300 members strong. We have we have members that live here in San Antonio. We've had women from Austin join us out of the clean energy ranks and also the regulatory side. Uh, we also now have members quite a bit uh, in the central Eagleford area. They would live in places like Beeville and Kennedy and other places like that. What and kind then, of people are you looking for? These are say Women's Energy Network, South Texas. What type of person would be uh, the type of person you'd be looking for to join your organization? The women that join are uh, professionals that work in the industry, so they're anywhere from engineers, scientists. We actually have one woman operator. We have uh, inter- oil and gas attorneys. CFOs, CEOs, you name it, we've got it. <laughs> so a variety. Members. Yes, quite a variety. And, and is there a website or a phone number that people can call if they want more information? Yes, the Women's Energy Network.org. It's uh, women's with an S, network.org, is where they can go to find out more about the South Texas chapter. One more time. Women's with an S, Energy Network.org. And if people want to get more information about the Energy CFO, Someone's listening right now, and they want to visit with you about your company, and maybe you can help them. How do they get in contact with you? They can either contact through a website, which is www.TheEnergyCFO, or they can call us at 713-408-6828. Phone number one more time. 713-408-6828. And we operate in uh, across South Texas and also in Houston. Paula Wagner Aguilar, thanks for visiting with us today. Thank on, you, Roy. Uh, I appreciate it. Patch. We enjoyed it. And uh, thank you for listening in to In the Oil Patch, a program presented by Steer. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine. If you'd like to find out where there's a location near you, go to shalemag.com. That's shalemag.com. On behalf of Kim Bellato, I'm Roy Holly. Have a good evening. So long. You've been listening to In the Oil Patch with Roy Holly and Kim Bellato, brought to you by Shale Magazine and Steer.